welcome to Lawyers Who Lead. I'm your host, Seagal Barnes. As a reminder to all of our listeners, this week is a bunch of fantastic short form interviews that I had live with leaders from NALP's PDI conference in Washington, D.C. We will be returning back to our original episode programming starting next week, but please enjoy these episodes. There's tons of great insights. So without further ado, let's get back to our next guest. Welcome to Lawyers Who Lead, a podcast that challenges the notion that the law lags behind. I'm your host, Seagal Barnes. Each week, I invite a lawyer who's making powerful changes through extraordinary leadership. In each episode, we'll travel through another lawyer's life, identify what they do best, and then devise how to apply these concepts to your own world. So let's get to it. We have here with us Paula Shawwecker, Principal and Chief Talent Officer at Beverage and Diamond. As CTO, Paula is responsible for coordinating and leading the firm's attorney recruiting, retention, and PD efforts. She also develops and executes a talent recruiting and retention strategy as part of the firm's overall vision and strategic plan and helps sustain a healthy, productive, positive, and inclusive workplace for all employees. Let's delve into our next lawyer who leads by listening to Paula's interview recorded live at PDI right now. Paula, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you here. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. Wonderful. So first and foremost, how did you get into the role that you're in today? Well, it's such a great question. It wasn't a very straight route to get to the role, so bear with me. It's a little bit of a long story. I started out as a singer-songwriter-entertainer. Really? And I did that for many years in a town called Shreveport, Louisiana, and then eventually decided I wanted to start working during the day instead of at night and got into retail jewelry and gifts. Um, did that in Shreveport for a while and moved to Texas and then opened a business doing high-end gifts for corporations in the Dallas area. So I had a gift-giving business there. A um, few things happened. I ended up moving to New York, went back to school and pursued my love of environmental things and environmental protection. Got a master's degree in environmental management from the Yale School of the Environment. Got a JD from Pace Law School with a specialty in environmental law and uh, ended up at Beverage and Diamond, happily so, as an environmental litigator. So now at least we're in the legal field, okay. While I was at Beverage and Diamond, about my fifth year in, the firm got really interested in diversity and inclusion. And I was particularly interested in it because I was a gay woman wondering, should I come out at the firm? What's that gonna be like? How's the firm gonna handle that? So I became involved in, in DE&I work then, as I became a partner, I chaired the DEI committee for a number of years. Then I was put on the management committee, and I was always really intrigued by the connection between the DEI work. Of course, it was just diversity and inclusion at the time, but by the inclusion work and associate retention and that connection there, and that was really interesting to me. And while I was on the management committee, which is our equivalent of an executive committee at Beverage and Diamond, I was asked to put a task force together to take a look at what we could do to improve associate retention. So I put that task force together, created a report, and one of the recommendations in the report was to hire a chief talent officer for the firm. So the management at the firm came to me and said, well, we think you should do that. And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> you hire someone who knows what they're doing. And they said, no, we, we think you, that you're the right person to do the job. And they were quite persuasive. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, 
that it would be a great way to really have an impact on the processes and the procedures at the firm and really improve associate morale and associate retention and be impactful. So I took the position and started in January of 2020, which three months later, as we know, the, the pandemic hit. Yes. So uh, yeah, when I started, it's been a heck of a two and a half year ride. Incredible story. First of all, thank you so much for sharing that. And what an incredible story going from a singer-songwriter to now chief talent officer. And what a wonderful journey in between. I have a few questions about your story. Sure. You mentioned that you were thinking about coming out as a gay woman. Do you mind if I ask, what was that like? What did you end up doing? What advice could you give to other women who are in that position? Sure. That's a, that's a great question, and I'm very happy to talk about it. I came from a generation where it was even more difficult than it is now, I think. Uh, not as accepted to be out, to be gay. And in my recollection of history as I was, people were fired when they came out, or it certainly impacted their career. And I just made some really great friends at the firm, and I talked to people I trusted about the situation, and everyone I spoke with was so supportive. So I think if in terms of advice, I yeah. think it's find those people that you can talk to and they can support you. You may still be nervous, but I think just having the right support behind you is really important. That's excellent advice. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. You mentioned that you started a task force and then your recommendation was to hire a chief talent officer. What brought you to make that recommendation initially? Sure. Beverage and Diamond is a firm of about 135 lawyers now. And at the time that we did the task force, I would say around 120. So we're a firm that started very small, has grown quite a bit, and has really kind of outgrown the infrastructure that we have for some things. And what prompted the discussion was that one of the themes that came out of the task force was lack of processes that people could point to to say, this is the way we do things, or this is how we handle that. And... As most law firms, small law firms, it's usually the partners who do most of the work around uh, professional development. And it takes time. You don't have a dedicated person. So I thought, and members of the task force thought, that by having a person dedicated in that position, we could really impact associate retention and morale. Yeah, I mean, they say, right, that if a lot of people are accountable, then no one's accountable, right? And so to really have that person that's accountable for doing it, that's when things really get done. What do you think it was about you that they said, no, we really want you to be the person? Well, I wasn't really sure <laughs> at the time. I, I questioned that quite a bit. But looking back, I think that they thought a partner at the firm already had the respect of the other partners would be someone that the partners might be more likely to listen to uh, than someone that they might bring in from outside the firm who didn't know the firm, didn't know the way it operated. As I said, I'd been a partner for around 10 years at the time. I had been on the firm's management committee, so I understood the firm. And I think that they thought that people thought enough of me that, uh, that if anyone could make this a success, that I might be the person who could do it. That's fantastic. So I got to ask you a question that you probably have been asked a million times, but you're still practicing, right? Correct. So you're practicing and you're the chief talent officer. That seems like a lot. How do you do that? Well, uh, 
for the first two years, I was practicing more. Mm -hmm. And just in this past year, we've restructured it so that I practice, I would say, closer to a quarter of the time. It's a quarter out of five quarters, if okay. you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but the firm's been very understanding about that. I manage things the best that I can. The cases that I work on are fairly mature, so I can handle my time the way it works best to do both jobs. That's wonderful. I'm, I admire it so much. So why do you come to NALP PDI? Now was the first organization I joined when I became chief talent officer. It has been such an important part of my experience. And whatever success has come my way, I really, NALP has played a huge role. The first PDI that I came to, I was blown away by the people who are here, the quality of the speakers, the topics that they talk about. Yes, there are things I want to know about and then things I didn't know I wanted to know about. Yes. It's just fantastic. It's an excellent organization. I think that's really a really good point. When you can go to a conference and not only learn the things you want to know about, but then are surprised by the things that you didn't even realize you needed to know about, that's when you know that it's been done correctly. Absolutely. So what is your biggest takeaway from this conference so far? Oh, so far. Well, one one thing that I thought was just fantastic, I attended a session this morning about upward reviews. And that strikes terror in the hearts of a lot, a lot of law firms and a lot of law firm partners. And the way that it was presented was to frame it not as a way to criticize partners, but as a way to develop partners. And I hadn't thought of it that way. And I don't think anyone at my firm has thought of it that way, but it was just a different take on it. And I think that turning it into that positive type of experience and looking at it as part of professional development for partners is just a great way to look at it. So that was a big aha moment for me and a, and a huge takeaway. It's very easy for us to talk about constructive feedback. It's very difficult for us to take it ourselves. And I think really creating a culture in which you are open to upward reviews really sets the example that constructive criticism creates a culture where everyone is invested in that. It's a huge takeaway for me as well. Absolutely. So one last question for you. You've worked in law for a very long time. What does leadership in law mean to you? Well, that is such a great question because I think it depends a little bit on how you look at it. Are you, if you look at it from an organizational point of view or from an individual point of view, but I think I'll look at it from an individual point of view, and I think that, to me, the key quality of being a leader is to start with empathy, to value the whole person, to engage, to listen, to get to know someone, and to ask yourself the question, why would someone follow me? And the answer to that question is often trust. And I think by leading with empathy, by getting to know people, by valuing people as a person standing in their shoes and understanding what life is really like for them, people are more likely to trust you. And that is going to lead to just a better situation for you and for the, for the people who are going to follow you. That's really powerful. Really asking yourself, why would someone follow me? Mm. That's powerful. That's a really important question that I think all leaders out there should be asking themselves. Paula, thank you so much for being on the show. This was really wonderful. I am, feel so honored that you were able to come and chat with me for a little while at the conference today. If someone wanted to reach out to you, connect with you, what is the best way that they can do that? Uh, they can reach me through email at pjs at bdlaw.com. I'm on LinkedIn so <laughs> also. So yes, please, happy to 
answer any questions and be of any help that I can. Thank you so much, Paula, for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Seagal. Thank you, leaders and future leaders, for listening today. We have a new guest every week, so don't forget to join us next week. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe or follow us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also follow at Lawyers Who Lead on social. Let's celebrate and continue to build a community of leaders in law together. Lawyers Who Lead is made possible by Lawline, the leading online platform for lawyers who want engaging, relevant CLE and professional growth content. For over 20 years, Lawline has helped hundreds of thousands of attorneys level up by providing award-winning courses in hard-to-find areas and high-demand fields. They have so many courses to choose from that are actually really interesting to listen to and watch. That's why Lawline's rated the highest in the industry with over 1,000 verified reviews on Trustpilot. Lawyers who lead listeners get $100 off Lawline's unlimited annual subscription, which means you can take as many courses as you want for a really good price. Just visit lawline.com slash podcast to get the special offer. Check out Lawline for the best content for leaders and future leaders in legal.